0: I feel like this service was designed for my wife. Her uh, she loves St. Patrick. So we had a quote from him.
1: Her favorite chapter in the Bible is Psalm 37. He alluded to that. And now, if we only had my son here to preach, she could have her favorite preacher. <laughs> I want to thank Jessica again uh, for having me. It's, it's been a joy being here, and to all the students and faculty that I've had, I've had a chance to meet with, uh, thank you for welcoming
0: me, and for carving out time in your week to spend with me. Here's my commercial for the day. Um, if you're in the church planting track, you
1: need to spend so much time around Winfield Bevins, that he is annoyed. That man
0: has stuff that you need. Uh, He's incredible. And uh, this place is so blessed to have him. Latch on to him. Uh, And then my next question would be,
1: if you're not in the church planting track, why aren't you? So, that's all. That's all for
0: that. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about living in the deep end. And the
1: focus of the day was, uh, my opinion at least, is that God made you for deep water. His desire is that you would live in the deep end, that, in fact, he wants you in over your head. If you read in that passage, incredible passage in Ezekiel 47, it talks about the river of God that starts its ankle deep and its knee deep and then its chest deep and then deep enough to swim. And that's what we're after. Our relationship with God, he calls us into a place that's deep enough to swim. If you can stand securely on your own two feet, what do you need God for? So get into a place where you need him. I noticed coming up here today, there's a, there are signs all over your campus that say, attempt something big.
0: Attempt something big. You have no idea the dreams that God has for you.
1: And the reason I can say that with confidence is because the Bible says that. You have no idea. You haven't dreamed or conceived in your mind the thoughts that God has you. The things that he has planned for you, the things that he wants you to do, the things that he wants you to give yourself to. And it begins with a choice. I have a friend in California who says it this way. It's one of my favorite quotes. It's very
0: profound and philosophical. You have to listen closely. He says, the difference between people who do stuff and people who don't do stuff is that people who do stuff do stuff. Well, there you have it. So
1: yesterday we talked about getting into the deep end of the pool, and let me just push pause for one second, okay? All time out, Casey. Right? What planet are you from? because obviously you're from a planet that's a lot closer to heaven. That was incredible. Thank you. Okay, back to the topic. So we're talking about deep water, and yesterday we talked about living in the deep end, and today what I want to talk to you about are some key elements or key characteristics for uh, getting in the deep end. How, how How can you be all in? Somebody asked me last night at the fireside, how do you do that? How do you just go all in? What does that mean? And I told them last night, I'll tell you today. In 1984, it was the worst summer of my life, set in the middle of the worst year of my life. I remember standing in a parking lot in Washington, D.C., late at night, by myself, I looked up into heaven. I'm staring
0: at the stars, and I'm miserable. And I heard the Lord clearly say, It's time. Are you in or are you out? Now, I've been a believer for seven years at that point. But that was a crossroads. And I knew immediately that being in meant letting go
1: of some things. I knew it. I I didn't have to search my heart to figure out what they were. I knew immediately that being in, being all in, meant letting go of some things. I want to read again the passage that we just read, just to get it fresh in our minds. Matthew 13, to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So today, five ingredients, five key ingredients for being all in. Number one, believe in his strength more than your weakness Believe in his strength more than your weakness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 that he gladly endures weakness in order that the power of Christ may rest in him. Paul saw his weakness. He saw his own weakness as an opportunity to reveal the strength of God. Something that we use, Sometimes we use our weakness as a, an excuse not to do the things that God has called us to do. We look in the mirror we don't like what we see and we say, I could never do, I could never be, I could never go. And one of the key ingredients, if you want to live in the deep end, you you have to be comfortable with your weakness. You have to know what your weaknesses are and not be wigged out about them. Because your focus is His strength. Focus on His strength rather than than your weakness. If we want to walk in kingdom power, we have to make a choice to put our confidence in what he can do, not what we can do. Francis Frangipani puts puts it this way. Look what Jesus did with common men. In just three and a half years, average men and women were transformed into fearless disciples, literally filled with the Spirit of God. They did not wince at suffering. They did not withdraw from sacrifice. These ordinary people were equipped with spiritual authority over demons and exercised power over illness. They were living proof that Christ transforms people. Three and a half years of undiluted Jesus will produce in us what it did in them. The kingdom of God. Those men were as average as we are. The difference between us and them
0: is Jesus, and He's the only difference. Focus on His strength, what He can do, not your weakness
1: or what you can't do. Number two, desire obedience over comfort. Obedience would be easy if it was comfortable, right? I mean, if it's always comfortable and easy, we would all choose obedience. But it's not. It's not. The obedience of Christ put him on the cross. In fact, Hebrews 5 says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Obedience doesn't always guarantee for us that things will turn out the way we want them to or expect them to.
0: Stephen probably didn't want or expect to be stoned.
1: I'm pretty sure that Peter and and James and Paul and Silas didn't want or necessarily expect to be put in jail. And I got a pretty good idea that John the Baptist would have preferred to keep his head. But they chose obedience, not based
0: on the result that it would bring, but based on the person who required it. Obedience over comfort. If we choose to be
1: obedient, we're also choosing to be uncomfortable. Obedience is not something that leads naturally to comfort. Now, it can lead to peace. Obedience will lead to an incredible peace, but it's the peace that passes understanding. In other words, it's a peace that the world doesn't even understand. It's a supernatural peace. But we have to choose obedience, and we have to desire obedience Because we love Jesus, not because of the result that it will bring. If the only reason we choose obedience is because we want to be blessed, then we've missed it. We've missed the point. The point of obedience is commitment and love for the Savior. Doing what He says. Hearing His voice and doing what He says, no matter what it costs, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it takes us to, no matter what it does to us. Obedience over comfort. We must desire obedience even if it kills us. Even if it kills us. I remember being in India and and seeing a friend of mine baptized. He was a teenager, 17 years old. And the questions that they asked him, you know, we ask good questions, right? Do you believe in Jesus? That's a great question to ask before somebody's baptized. you believe in Jesus? Or are you trusting in him and him alone for your salvation? Great.
0: Good questions. Do you know what they asked? Are you trusting in Jesus and him alone? Do you expect to be persecuted? Are you ready to die? Those were the questions for baptism. obedience. Why are we
1: choosing obedience? Are we choosing obedience because of what we think it might bring us? Or are we choosing obedience because we love Jesus and we want only
0: what he wants? Number three, we must embrace
1: a willingness to risk. We must embrace a willingness to risk. Risk as a noun means there is a chance of pain and loss. Risk as a verb says I'm willing to take that chance. We risk what we have to add to what we have. And the more you have, the harder it is to risk. But every time you take a step in the kingdom of God, you have to be willing to risk everything you've gained up to that point there's risk in faith there has to be risk in faith but there also has to be faith in risk right I mean there's there has to be risk in faith if your faith has no risk then you don't really trust but if your risk has no faith then you're just presumptuous The call of God is a call out of the safe and out of the comfortable middle. I have a friend who's a pastor in India and uh, I was preaching at his church. And they had two services. Room was packed. Small, about half the size of this this room. And and twice as many people as we would say could fit in this room. Just wall-to-wall people. And and towards the end of the first service, there was a, a lady who had come to the church. She'd never been there before. I found out later it was her first time. And she was demonized. And she began to manifest during the sermon. She's all sorts of noises and, and movements and uh, that would make us all pretty uncomfortable. And a couple of deacons or, or ushers or I don't know maybe bouncers came over and they grabbed her on each side and and took her out in between the services. The pastor and I went to his office, and he made tea now, let me just say that they're serious about their tea we're sitting and we're we're drinking, we're having tea, and we're eating they look like cookies to me, but they call them biscuits, right, and so we're eating cookies. Biscuits, drinking tea, and there's a knock on the door. He goes to the door, and there are two, there are the two men standing there, and there's the lady, and she's still manifesting and, and writhing and, and flashing
0: around. And they say to him, Pastor, this lady needs prayer. And he says, We will pray. But first,
1: we will finish our tea. And he closed the door. You can imagine. I mean, I'm an American. And you know how we are. I am freaking out. What do you mean we're going to finish our tea? We've got to pray for this lady. This lady needs, needs prayer right now. And, and the pastor looks at me and he says, the demon's been there for years. A few more minutes won't matter. and we drink our tea, and he offers me another cup, and I'm saying, for heaven's sake, no more tea, no more cookies, and finally, he drinks a second cup of tea, and he eats another biscuit, and he brushes off his hands, and says, okay, now we pray, and he goes to the door, and he invites the men in, they bring the lady, he prays for the lady, he casts out the demon, he prays for her uh, to receive Jesus, lays his hands on her, prays for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they take her out.
0: And he looks at me and he says, in India, we don't allow the enemy to set the agenda. Let me say to you, as you go forward, do
1: not let the enemy set your agenda. And by that, I mean, don't let him decide what you can and can't do. Don't let him decide what your boundaries are. Don't let the enemy set your limits. Let God tell you what you can and what you can't do. Go out there on that campus and read that sign. Those many signs that say, attempt something big. Number four, resolve not to fade in the face of failure, temporary setbacks,
0: or opposition. Paul told Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God. He said,
1: you haven't been given a spirit of fear or timidity. We have a tendency when we fail, when things don't turn out the way we thought they would or expected they would or hoped they would, we have a tendency to fall back, fade back into the background and say well you know somebody else maybe should give it a try
0: the spirit of God in you wants to do great things but
1: rest assured you will have some failures you'll have some setbacks you'll have some times where you stumble and it's okay if you don't believe that it's okay, read the scriptures.
0: Read about King David. Read about Peter. Read about Paul. They weren't perfect. But they were willing to go for it. And they didn't fade into the background when they failed a couple of times. Paul says it this way Romans 5
1: Not only this but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit
0: who is given to us Hear me the economy Of the kingdom is increase. The economy of the kingdom is increase. God wants this generation to do more than the previous generation did.
1: Think about it. How many of you have said, or had it said to you, that you're growing up, you had a mentor, maybe even your own father, someone that you looked up to, your mom or a teacher or somebody, and you said, either under your breath or out loud, if I could just be half the person,
0: he was. If I could just be half the woman, she was. That would be awesome. That would be horrible. You were not called to be half as much.
1: If I'm half the man my dad was, if my son is half the man I am, if his son is half the man he is, pretty soon we don't have much man left. The economy of the kingdom is increase. Each generation does more.
0: There are a lot of different
1: theories about what was meant when Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion. I believe it's pretty simple. I believe he looked at the life of Elijah and he said, that's awesome. I want more. I want a double portion. I want to do twice as much. And that's the economy of the kingdom. I was telling Winfield yesterday, I had a student when he graduated from college and he was on his way here to go to seminary. He wrote me a letter. The last paragraph in the letter said, I pray that my ministry
0: will far exceed yours so that your time spent in me would not have been spent in vain. It's the kingdom. The economy of the kingdom is increase. And if you play it safe, you will never know the dreams that God has for your life. Number five, decide. If you want to live in the deep end, if you want to be all in, guys, you you got to decide. You just got to choose.
1: Jesus said it. The kingdom of God is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Upon finding one pearl of great value,
0: he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Bottom line is this. Is Jesus your pearl? If he is, he's worth everything. Everything. If he's your pearl, It's worth everything. Little boy's walking down the street. He's got with him his prized possession, a sack of marbles,
1: his favorite thing. He looks up and he sees a little girl coming towards him. She has a sack of candy. Just happens to be that she has chocolate malt balls. I don't know if you like chocolate malt balls. But chocolate—a sack of chocolate malt balls would get every marble I've ever owned. (laughs) He sees her. He wants the candy. He approaches her and he says,
0: "What would you take for that candy?" She says, "I'll take your marbles. It's prized possession." He says, "Okay." That's a trade. And as he's taking the candy from her and giving the marbles to her, he secretly slips his favorite marble out of the bag and into his pocket. Undetected. On his way home, he eats all the candy. Thoroughly enjoys it. When he finishes the candy, reaches his hands in his pockets, and fills the marble. And this thought runs through his head. I wonder if she gave me all the candy. I wonder. say to you today that whatever you hold back will haunt you. Whatever you hold back will haunt you. Jesus wants it all. He wants everything. It's an incredible trade. Your all for his all. 2 Chronicles
1: 16, 9 says it this way. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth that he may
0: strongly support those whose heart is completely His. What are you holding back? What are you holding back? I was praying.